welcome and find your seat in section 312. You are probably listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but if not, we are also available on TuneIn, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts from. It is Tuesday, August 6th. The one and only IT guy, Matt Gross, is here. We have a great show for you guys today with some good topics. Connor Onion of the SIU Salukis drops by, and we have some segments. But before we start the show, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Swazo Painting. We talk about it every single week. They are the best painters in the Chicagoland area. They do interior, exterior, staining decks, removing wallpapers. For free estimates, call Raul Swazo at 630-272-2096 or send them an email at swazopainting at iCloud.com. All right. I want to start off the show with this. The Cubs are playing the Oakland Athletics right now, and they are getting a complete, utter beatdown. John Lester started the game off. High hopes. Cubs are on a five-game win streak and can't even make it out of the first inning. Eight-nothing to start the game. The Athletics bat around the order. This is the first time, I think, in his Cubs career, he looks like he's getting fatigued later into the season. Um, the, I'm not discrediting the Oakland Athletics. The Oakland Athletics are a very good baseball team. There's something plaguing the Cubs right now. And if you're a Cubs fan, I think it's time to start panicking a little bit. The injuries are piling up. Wilson Contreras is on the DL. Brandon Kinsler just went to the DL. Craig Kimbrell went to the DL. Brandon Morrow's been on the DL. Cole Hamels has been on the DL. Kyle Hendricks has been on the DL. The list just keeps going on and on and on. The bullpen can't get any help. And when somebody's out there, they're either out there too long from Joe or they're out there not long enough, and the next person that comes in gives up runs. It's just not going their way. To me, the Cubs right now feel like a 500 baseball team. I know we're not a 500 baseball team, but they feel like a 500 baseball team. We're not good on the road. We're 40 and 18 at home. It's like we go on the road and we lose five, and then we come home and we win five. We're in first place of the division with a three-game lead, and then we go on the road and we fall down to third place. And then we go home again, and we get back in first place. It's just a never-ending cycle. I don't know if there's anything really that can be fixed at this point from all the injuries. I mean, I guess the good news is Ben Zobris is returning. The Cubs did acquire Nicholas Castellanos, who's been a great addition to the Cubs so far. I really like him a lot. We traded Carl Edwards Jr., who was long overdue to be traded. That curveball, he just had no command of it whatsoever. He had a great cutter, very good cutter, but it felt like when they needed the cutter, they couldn't get it. He tried to throw that curveball, which he had no control over. He leaves in the middle of the plate, and they take him deep every single time. My biggest concern with the Cubs right now is not the hitting. It's not the pitching. It's the managing, I th- I feel. I feel Joe Madden is playing with this lineup too much. Now that he's got uh, Nicholas Castellanos and Tony Kemp and some other good players, he, he's kind of getting a better feel on how he should have an everyday lineup. But with all the injuries, he's still shifting around, which I feel like getting down late into the season, once we hit September, you got to have a set lineup. These guys need to get into a rhythm. And they need to get prepared. We need to just buckle down and and prepare for this long haul if we want to win another World Series. I know a lot of Cubs fans out there had the thoughts of, well, why didn't they trade Jose Quintana at the trade deadline? He would have been one of the biggest names available because the Cubs aren't going to re-sign him. They won't re-sign him after this two-year con- after his his final two years are done. I don't see any scenario where they would re-sign him. The Cubs are in trouble. They can only win at home. 
if we have to go on the road, I'm not confident. I don't care who we have pitching. We are not good on the road. We're just not. But let's break down some of the trades that happened during the trade deadline. The biggest news from the trade deadline, because it's been over a week since we've dropped the latest podcast and we didn't get to cover the uh, trade deadline due to some internal issues. But the biggest news of that day, Zach Greinke to Houston. Snuck up on everybody. The Houston Astros get Zach Greinke out of nowhere. I like Houston. I think Houston has another legitimate shot. They already did, but they made their case even better when they acquired Zach Greinke. You got Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke. Nobody's beating that. Nobody's rotation. Cubs or not, nobody's rotation is beating that. Another big surprising move was the Cincinnati Reds getting Trevor Bauer from the Cleveland Indians. They send Yasiel Puig across town. He didn't have to move again, which was cool, because we all know moving sucks. Everybody knows moving sucks. You don't want to do it. You dread it. You don't think about it. You put it off until the last moment. You want movers, but you don't want to pay for the movers. You realize you have so much shit that you don't want to package. You end up just having a yard sale, throwing everything away. Moving sucks. But for Yasiel Puig, he doesn't have to move. The NL Central made tons of moves. The Brewers made moves. The Cardinals made moves. The Pirates made moves. The Cubs made moves. I still feel the Cubs can win the division. But I'm going to say this. I think the Brewers are going to slip. And the Cardinals are going to take a wild card. I do not want to go on the road to play St. Louis. I don't. Is that because you haven't had too much luck over here? It's not even a luck thing. It is the fact of we just can't play on the road. We can't. I feel like this is another year where the Cubs are wishing they had Jake Arrieta, the guy who can pitch on the road. Because nobody else on the staff can. They can barely get by. I mean, you Darvish has finally been pitching good. Knock on some wood. But other than that, I don't want to go on the road. Coming up, we have a new segment called The Underappreciated. But before we get into that... And now, a word from our sponsors. Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a new DFS app for prop bets. They have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes instead of the traditional salary cap format. Thrive Fantasy is awesome. You guys build your lineup around the list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 to 20 prop bets plus two ICE picks to protect you from any late scratches or postponed games. What other app can you do that to protect your picks if something happens? Each unique prop has an over and an under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that point value if the prop is correct. For example, will Anthony Rizzo score a run or have an RBI? Will you, Darvish, have a quality start? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your team score around the amount of correct props that you select. When you sign up, enter our code SEC312. You will get a match up on your first $10 deposit. Go check them out. Find them in the App Store. Proud sponsor, Thrive Fantasy. So we have a new segment, and I created it. It's called Underappreciated. And I wanted to start this segment because two weeks ago, an asteroid almost wiped us all off the Earth. And we didn't even realize it. Scientists saw an asteroid come about 45,000 miles. It seems like a lot. But at the rate an asteroid moves, it's not a lot. It almost hit the Earth. Would have caused catastrophic effects. It was called the city killer. It was big enough to wipe out a city. So I created a segment called the underappreciated. And this segment 
is about things that we take for granted or don't appreciate enough when it could be over like a snap of a finger. So, Matt, what is underappreciated in your eyes? This is a good question, and I wish you gave me more time to think about it. <laughs> but uh, underappreciated that the close race between three teams in the NL Central is underappreciated because you got some drama here coming up uh, toward the end of the season. And uh, I hate it whenever there's a team that's like 15 games ahead. You know, there's no drama here. I'm not watching that division. NL Central, we got some games coming up. It's it's going to be a fun ride. And this is why I love baseball. For my underappreciated thing of the week, I want to go with McDonald's sweet tea. McDonald's has some pretty damn good sweet tea. I was there the other day, and I normally just get water. I'm not a big sugar guy. I used to drink a lot of soda when I was a child, when my mother would just let me drink 12 packs of soda in an hour and become a little fat man, and it just wasn't good. So I stopped it. I stopped drinking all the sugar, stopped getting cavities, all stuff like that. It was bad time, bad time of my childhood. But I went to McDonald's, and I got a sweet tea for the first time in a very long time and it was delicious so underrated very underappreciated as soon as that smooth taste from that sweet tea hit my tongue i appreciated it more than any drink that i had that day i really did but i want to bring it back to this asteroid because my question to everybody listening right now It came a week after the reports of people wanting to storm Area 51. Nobody knows what's in Area 51, but people wanted to go storm it and find out, which is not a good idea, by the way. Don't do it. My question to everybody out there, what if there are aliens in Area 51 and they knew that these people were going to storm Area 51? And they had this asteroid come towards Earth as a warning shot. Stay away from Area 51. Did the are the aliens controlling that asteroid? Probably not. But it's just a hypothetical here, you know, a giant rock in space. But I feel like that asteroid changed the outlook on my life because we all could have just been over. There could this have been is no the first sports. I've heard of it, dude. It was all over Twitter. Oh, well, not real news then. Oh, it was real news. Oh, okay. So it could have been the aliens. It could not have been the aliens. We don't know. But it could have ended sports. It could have ended the world. Asteroids, aliens. We talk about a lot here in Section 312. And our section could have been completely destroyed from that asteroid's. I do have a question though. The uh, why would the aliens be controlling an asteroid coming to Earth if the people who are talking about raiding Area 51 they're trying to free the aliens or something? If there are any there. What if it was a spaceship? What if the asteroid was a cover-up for a spaceship to get the aliens out of Area 51 in an extraction mission before the people stormed Area 51? Well, then they didn't update their navigation because they completely missed Earth. And barely. They didn't completely, <laughs> they barely missed Earth. Coming up next, we have Connor Onion. He stops by. We talk about the SIU Salukis, his career path, and we get to learn a little bit about him. It is Connor Onion. Now sitting in Section 312, we have the play-by-play commentator for the Southern Illinois Salukis and the newly, I don't know how you would put it, but you're newly uh, the new face of ESPN3 for the Salukis uh, when they're being televised. How does that feel? How'd you, how'd you manage to get that? Uh, so the last couple of years, I've been doing uh, Saluki games on both TV and radio. And um, the role that I was in the last two years was, um, it was a graduate assistant role, so I was taking some grad school classes, working in the athletic department, 
and uh, doing the women's games on TV and on radio. And uh, the, the new position I have, it's, it's pretty much the same outside of doing the women's games on radio. Now it's pretty much all TV. And uh, I'll be doing football on TV and men's basketball on TV now. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not all that different, but uh, a couple of different sports with men's basketball and football that get added on. So it's exciting. But now you're, are you, they're going to show you occasionally on TV, too, as you're talking, right? Right, right. So, so that's so, a good practice, I guess, doing the Skype call with you guys. Yeah. Uh, get, getting a little FaceTime. But, yeah, that's that's how we start each of our shows is uh, we do what's called a tease. And uh, that's that's not me on, on camera. That's, you know, kind of like a highlight package to, to tease the game. But then they cut to us on camera. So, we, we try not to get intimidated by the bright lights and the camera and feeling like everybody's looking at us, but that's, I guess it's part of the business. So now you're really going to have to worry about what you're looking like every game and pick out your suits like days in advance. Right. It's, it's kind of funny. I, I got some, some feedback um, just from somebody in the TV industry last year, and they're like, man, like you're, you're sounding pretty good, but you look like you're 12. I'm like, oh, well, that's that's not good. Um, and that person actually told me they're like, I think you should grow out a beard. And leading into the <laughs> SIU volleyball season, I was trying to grow a beard, and it was just like it was like a porcupine. Like <laughs> it was it was bad. Um, but yeah, the the visual appearance is is part of what we do. Sometimes fortunately, sometimes unfortunately. And um, here I am, baby face and all. So what do you think your trademark would be? So, you know, Craig Sager had the crazy, funky-looking suits. Would you do just, like, the wacky bow ties, or are you going to wear sunglasses every single televised <laughs> game so that way when they show you? you got to have that thing that makes you stand up to be like, oh, I remember that guy. We need to get that guy from the Salukis. Yeah, that's, no, that's a good question. I haven't really thought that far. I'm just so worried that at this point in my career about saying or doing something to, to mess it up because um, I'm, I'm just breaking in. But I don't know. I, I've got to think about that. I mean, uh, Hawk Harrelson, of course, had his catchphrase with you can put it on the board. <laughs> um, Pat Hughes has his home run call with it's got a chance. And uh, this will be you can grow a beard. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe when I get to like 30 years old, maybe I'll finally be able to grow a beard. Um, that'll be that'll be a career milestone if I ever get there. Well, hey, I mean, Quentin, and I say, OK, and this has been a, a repeated thing on this podcast is that. We don't have the faces for TV. I'll be honest with you. You have the face for TV. Like you're you're killing it out here. So that that's one thing. I think you, even without the beard, like you're doing all right. You got baseball or no? You got basketball and football coming up. Are are you a little worried about football? Because basketball, it's it's kind of back and forth. Like it, it's it's real fast. You got fast pace. Baseball or football, you kind of got to fill in a little bit. Like are are you prepared to fill in all of those time stops that you have to deal with? With, with football, you mean? just Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you kind of got time in between plays. Like, basketball, it's kind of back and forth. Like, you, you really are just focusing strictly on the play that's going on. But I feel like in football, there, there's a lot more time that you have to fill in. Right. Uh, so this is kind of the, the unique thing for me. It will be the, the first time that I do football on TV uh, for the Saluki's home opener on September 14th. Um, I've done football before. I've done TV before, but I've never done them together. So I've done football on radio. I've done other sports, pretty much every other sport on TV, but I've never done football on TV. And I think football is kind of the ultimate TV sport. Kind of like you're saying, there's there's a lot of time, but you know when when the ball is in play, it's it's boom boom boom. So uh, I don't know if I don't know if worried is is really the right word to describe how I'm feeling for football season, but um, there is some nervous energy just because it is a little bit bigger of a stage. Uh, I, I know there. are are going to be people, alums, former players watching, and you want to give them a good show. But uh, I've got the confidence that I've done football and I've done TV before. So now it's just kind of a matter of, of merging the two, I guess. Um, so worried, I don't know. But yeah, I think there'll be some nerves the first time I do it for sure. So you, I, I did a little research here and you actually, you called games for the single-A affiliates of the Diamondbacks and the Astros, you know, doing stuff with the Kane County Cougars and then doing stuff for the single-A for the Houston Astros. What is it like 
calling games from a collegiate level and the single A level? Is there that big of a jump from those two differences? Because, you know, obviously from the professionals and then all the way to college is completely different. But does it just feel like another, like more college kids that you're just calling? A little bit. Uh, the The correlation is is pretty similar just because you go from the college baseball season February through May. And a lot of times there's the crossover in April and May where I'm doing both. And then once we hit the major league draft, a lot of the guys that are playing college baseball are going into single A. So to your point, I am getting a lot of, of college guys. Um, so like Michael Baird, who pitched for SIU last year, he was just in the league that I'm working in now. So that's kind of cool to see a guy like that that you've had when he was in college. Um, so it certainly helps with your preparation and being able to talk about a guy like that. Uh, the one difference with the professional game is you've got guys from all over the world. So if I walk into the Dan Callahan clubhouse in Carbondale, all those guys speak English. I can communicate with them very easily. But I walk into the Kane County Cougars clubhouse. We've got guys from New Jersey, California, Florida, the Dominican Republic, Cuba, Mexico, and Taiwan. Um, so there are three different languages right there. So the, the preparation is a little bit different because you either have to pick up on a little bit of Spanish or, um, you know, get somebody to translate for you. So that makes for a little bit of a unique challenge, but uh, it's, it's pretty fun. So how do you build background on a guy that's from a international market or a foreign country to begin with? Like, is there any background or are you kind of like coming up with kind of whatever your stat guys give you on the spot? Well, stats in the minor leagues, they're pretty accessible. Uh, the minor league website does a pretty good job with keeping records of what they've done throughout their career with the levels that they've been at before they get to us. So a lot of the guys that come in internationally, they'll play in what's called the Dominican Summer League. So that's basically a rookie ball level. And then they'll have the domestic rookie ball level in the United States, and then they'll come to us. So there is a little bit of history that, that comes in there. But uh, what I've found useful is there are a lot of guys that come from different countries that, that want so badly to learn English that there are usually two or three guys that are bilingual in the clubhouse. So we have, we have a catcher this year that speaks both languages. And anytime I want to interview a Spanish-speaking player, he's kind of the in-between. And we're able to translate interviews that way. So uh, that's, that's helped us learn a lot about um, players from Venezuela and the Dominican and uh, Cuba and learn about their families and it's it's really cool to, to hear them talk about their journeys to get to the United States because you know a lot of them are, are, are leaving their country for a reason and chasing the big league dream and uh, they don't have much where they come from. So you're calling all these guys and you're really good at what you do obviously that's why the Salukis wanted to keep you on board you know moving up but when did you realize that you wanted to be a play-by-play -play commentator? That's a really good question. Uh, I think there are two answers to that. When I was like four years old, this is kind of like the typical play-by-play -play announcer answer. When I was four years old, I would imitate Pat Hughes in front of the TV. Uh, anytime the Cubs or whoever were hitting home runs, I would do the it's got a chance call. Um, but yeah, I was so invested in sports beyond that when I got a little bit older, uh, playing football, basketball, baseball, whatever it was, that I wanted to be a college athlete. Didn't work out. Um, not not athletic enough. Um, but it was probably my sophomore year of college. I went to, to Ball State University and I went in my freshman year thinking I wanted to be a beat writer. Uh, my dream was to work for the Chicago Tribune and cover the Cubs or White Sox or Bears or Bulls or Blackhawks, whatever it was. And my sophomore year roommate, he got into play by play and he told me, hey, the women's basketball job is open. Uh, why don't you apply for it with the student station? And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I can think on my feet like that. And he was like, no, do it. Trust me. I think you can do it. And I probably wasn't very good when I tried out for it, but somehow I ended up on the broadcast crew. And then the next year I ended up working with the Ball State men's team and uh, being the, the full-time play-by-play voice with them on the student station. And I just loved it, man. It's it's a rush uh, trying to fit in stories and stats and, um, you know, going through all the preparation and, 
you know, getting to call big moments, the buzzer beaters, the walk-off home runs, it, it's, it's kind of intoxicating. And from there, I realized it's what I want to do for a living. So you bring up a great point in calling a whole bunch of, in at least the college players' terms, astronomical moments for them. Right. What would you rather call then, in the football or basketball season, would you rather call a buzzer beater or a last-second touchdown for the SIU football team? And what's the pinnacle? Oh, man. I guess it depends on the circumstance, right? Like, how important is the game? Is it... You know, is it to win a conference championship? Is it the first game of the season? We'll, we'll equate it as regular season for both of them. Regular season for both of them? I'd say I'd say probably a buzzer beater. Probably okay. a buzzer beater. I've, I've done that before. I haven't called a game-winning touchdown catch. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe we can check back in a few months. Maybe one of those Saluki games I do will have that. And I'll let you know how it feels. But... Uh, I called a buzzer beater my my second year when I was doing the games at Ball State, and that's that's kind of like an emotional high that sticks with you for the rest of the night and, and makes it hard to sleep. Uh, was the buzzer yeah. beater for Ball State or for the other team? For Ball State, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first year I did the games, they were five and twenty-five. They did not have many buzzer beaters. <laughs> um, but that next year, they ended up winning twenty games, and they had a couple of. Uh, overtime games. They had a double overtime game in, in one of their postseason tournaments. So that was kind of my first taste of, of late game drama. And that was part of the reason that I wanted to do this for a living. That, those moments kind of cemented for you. So before we get away from the sports stuff a little bit, you work side by side with Mike Reese, who is obviously a Hall of Famer with the Salukis. Right. What is the one thing about Mike that people don't know about him just from you working with him so closely? Is there a preparation that he does? Like, does he like mimic things, try to enunciate before games or does he, you know, always go get a hot dog or something in between? Like, what is that one thing that we don't get to see about Mike? Well, I I think this comes through in his work, but he's very nuanced in how he goes about his preparation. I'm trying to think of, of one thing that's like a habit of his, but I mean, he's he's got these color-coded spotting boards that he has with information on each player. He's keeping score by hand during basketball games. So, uh, you know, that's that's something a lot of announcers did a while ago before live stats or online stats were a thing. Um, and, and he's kept up with that. And that's something that he's tried to instill in me. And I've Wait, kind of done like, it. He does, like, rebounds, assists, all that? No, 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 no points. points. Just, he, does, he does points and fouls. Okay. But, I mean, you'll be hearing him call out, like last year, for example, uh, Armand Fletcher with a right-handed layup. He's got 30 points on the night, and he's crossing out the number 29 and 30 as he's saying that. So it helps keep you engaged with how guys are doing throughout the game. It's To me, that takes a heck of a lot of talent to do that, to, to be able to keep score and call the game. But I'm sure it's become habit for him over the years, but... Uh, that's that's one thing that not a lot of people get to see when when he's doing the games. Is it all TV that you've done in your past, or have you done radio as well? No, it's it's mostly been radio actually. So um, how's the transition to TV then going? Outside of someone asking you to grow a beard, obviously. <laughs> it's it's different. It's something that I wasn't sure I wanted to do when I first had the opportunity to go to SIU and have opportunities on TV. That was one of the things that I got asked in my interview, actually, was where do you see your future? Do you see it in radio or do you see it in TV? And I kind of had to stop and think. And my gut told me radio just because that's what I had done the most of. Um, But I wanted to at least try TV. So I I told uh, Tom Weber and Mike Reese, who were involved in in my hiring, I was like, look, I want to work for you guys. My passion has been in radio. But I do want to find out if TV is something I want to do. And I think ultimately that worked perfectly with what they were asking me to do, because it's a little bit of radio when the team went on the road. It's a lot of TV when the team's at home. So I didn't really understand TV two years ago when I first started doing it. But, you know, beyond the description of radio, that's the beauty to me. The the beauty on TV is that you have more time to tell stories because you don't have to say, you know, Miller on the right wing, Michaels on the left wing. They're skipping the ball back and forth. You don't have to say that on TV. 
but you get a chance to to humanize the players and and tell really cool human interest stories about the players when you have time where you're not describing things. Is there a little bit more stress though, knowing that um, people can see your face so they can attribute a, I don't want to call it a miscall, but per, perhaps a missed uh, analysis to the person who's making said analysis or making said play by play. Yeah. Any- I, I had, I had somebody tell me uh, right when I first started doing TV, I, I asked them, uh, you know, you're, you're calling games at a high level. You're doing major network stuff. You know, what kind of pressure is there when you're in those moments? Cause when you're watching, say, a New York Yankees game, I mean, if if the guy screws up an Aaron Judge home run, uh, you're going to know about it. Yeah, obviously. You're going to hear about it on Twitter. Uh, the the way it was phrased to me is it's not a pressure, it's a responsibility. You've got to give people a good show. Uh, you, you've got to get the call out. You might stumble every once in a while. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the sweets or the Elite Eight game with Purdue and ten or no Purdue and Virginia. Yep. Yeah, uh, guy hits the the buzzer beater to send it to overtime. Yep. It, the announcer said for the win. I mean, that's that's Brian Anderson. That's one of the best broadcasters in the country. He does the Brewers. He does the NBA. You know, he does the NCAA tournament. So it, it is comforting to know that that does happen at that, that level. And while there might feel like there's a little bit of pressure sometimes, it's more of a responsibility. But at the end of the day announcers are human too and you're going to screw up it, it just kind of comes with the job so connor you are going to be starting television for the salukis coming up this season and we do wish you the best in that uh we do want to say thank you for taking the time to come sit in section 312 we got a couple more questions here before we wrap up and let you go are you a fantasy football guy i do play a little bit of fantasy football sometimes i get involved in uh probably too many leagues that are um there are more leagues than are good for me because uh, in the fall doing volleyball and football and then crossing over into basketball and, um, you know, some of the other sports, I, I kind of fade late in the season. So I should probably just do like one or two leagues, but I've got like a family league, uh, co-workers at SIU, we've got a league. Some of my friends back home, have got a league. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get invested in it, but usually it's early on that I do well and then late season I fade. So how many championships do you have? Out of ever since you started doing it, how many times have you won? I'm ashamed to say it. I've, I've never won. So you're due. I'm due. I, I thought last year was the year, and then I think November hit, and there were there were back-to-back weekends where we had, like, I'm, I know I'm making excuses. I'm making excuses. It's bad. But we had, like, <laughs> volleyball, basketball, and football all on the same weekend. Just got crazy busy. Didn't check my lineup. Lost my division lead. And... Got a bad matchup in the playoffs and, and blew it. So if we were betting, who would win a title first, Connor Onions football team or the Cleveland Browns? Who should we bet on? Probably Cleveland, man. They're going to be <laughs> nice this year, don't you think? Uh, we'll see how it plays out. There's a lot of egos there, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, what they have, seven wins last year? Hey, man, the, the, they could be a wild card team. They could I, be a wild yeah. card team. Look, man, Baker's real. Baker's real. Hey. No, no, no. I, I don't have a problem with Baker. Baker Baker's the guy. I, I just don't know how all the pieces fit together. I think he's still your guy for 10 years, but I, I don't know how they fit together. Yeah. I mean, I, I if you asked me that before last season, I would have said <laughs> I mean, they, they've got to prove it to me. They, they always find a way to screw it up somehow. But I don't know. The, the Cubs won it in 16. The Blues just won it for the first time. Um, I don't know. Like if the Cavs won it. You know, they finally broke the Cleveland curse. So uh, there's a little less pressure for them, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Have you ever uh, done a non-fantasy uh, football league? Like we're talking baseball, basketball? Oh, yeah. Uh, baseball. Baseball is probably my favorite. I know it gets really? a little taxing to. No fucking way, dude. That shit's way too hard to keep up with. You're telling me you can't you can't keep up with fantasy football, but fantasy baseball is easy enough? No way. <laughs> Different different months, right? <laughs> fair. That's fair. Like the, the fall crossover season gets a little wild um, working in college athletics. But <laughs> I, I actually I didn't do fantasy baseball this year. I did it last year. And, and you're right. It's it's a lot to keep up with. But the good news is a lot of people struggle to keep up with it. So sometimes <laughs> you're fine. 
it's all about just outlasting everybody else in terms of like commitment. And then you'll, you, you have a good chance of your uh, team making a run for the title. Yeah. All about stamina fantasy baseball <laughs> uh, off the wall question here. I gotta be honest, man. The last name onion. Okay. It, it, has anyone ever brought that up as like being in high school sports, like, like just ragged on you for that. Yeah. I was about to say my last question was going to be having your last name onion. How bad were you bullied on as a kid? <laughs> Uh, nothing, nothing too bad. It was mostly verbal. Really? Hey, vegetable. <laughs> yeah, no, I got that a lot. I, I, do, <laughs> I do remember, gosh, I was probably four or five years old and I, I, just, became, <laughs> I just became aware of like what my last name really meant because <laughs> that's when you go to kindergarten or whatever, you're around the other kids. I got it. I got it. Your catchphrase, eat your veggies, kids. <laughs> I'm, hey. I mean, Bill Raftery already took onions, right? Right. Chuck Swirsky, the uh, the Bulls announcer, he does onions, baby onions. Um, so I'm I'm kind of bummed they beat me to the punch. But um, yeah, what I was gonna say is I remember I was at the grocery store with my dad checking out when I was like five years old, and uh, the the cashier like looks at my dad's credit card and sees onion on there, and she goes, "Oh, Mr. Onion, where's your tomato today?" Oh, and she I'm- just like. She thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I like, can imagine there's so many dad jokes just thrown your way. Yeah, as that. I just remember like tugging on the, like the bottom. I was like, you know, I was four or five. I was really short, like tugging on the bottom of my dad's shirt as we we're walking out there. I was like, dad, that lady was a jerk. I, people <laughs> like that. He's like, nah, you're going to get a lot more of that as you grow up. So that was when it kind of hit me that the onion jokes were coming. I mean, hey, you can spin it as brandable. Yeah. yeah here, here's here's another one about the last name. Playing high school football, uh, got a few public address announcers that like kind of said my name like it was a question. So they were like, Connor Onion on the tackle? <laughs> <laughs> I feel what? like that's like a common high school address announcer thing, though. Like if you have like a last name that they kind of have to think about a little bit. like Yeah, you, you got to have a little shtick as a high school PA guy. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Area Fifty One. Uh, would you storm Area Fifty One? It's a popular thing right now. I, I, I couldn't believe that those hotels are sold out. And <laughs> that, that people people are uh, are camping out like they're paying for space to yeah. camp around the area. Yeah, it's. I mean that that area is going to have an economic boom. Of all <laughs> hotel reservations, and I. I can't believe that people took that seriously. But can we count on you to join them? The voice of SIU radio or SIU TV. I'm sorry. Next big thing. You know, what if there really is something there and you're not there to see it? Well, here's the thing. It's, it's scheduled for September 20th. I've got, uh, I've got a wedding to go to September 21st. So I'll have to check on the flights. (laughs) Bachelor party at area 51. (laughs) We should. We should. Honestly, a little a little wedding warm up. So, no, I mean, if, I get a, if I can get a flight there and then a flight back uh, for that next morning to be back for the wedding, then I'll give it a shot. But what do you think's uh, there? What's that? What do you think scenario fifty one? Do you, do you guys believe in aliens? I don't believe in aliens. I, I think it's you can't tell me that we're the only people living on a giant rock in the middle of nothing. I don't know. If, I don't know if like we have aliens. Like I don't know if ET is like rolling around in Area Fifty One. But like ET's out there somewhere. But what if we are aliens to other people? You know, if the, not people, whatever is out there, then we're aliens to them. So really, alien is just a universal term for something that is not you know known. So what do you think is actually in Area Fifty One? Are there cures to diseases down there? Are there? Oh, shut up. But, uh, no, I'm serious because nobody really knows what's in Area 51. So what thinks in Area 51? I think it's a massive basin with uh, a bunch of desert lands and airplane hangars. <laughs> uh, may- maybe I'm just a sucker for what the government's telling us, but I don't know, man. Matt Damon did that movie about Mars. Like, he's got to have some intel, right? What's going yeah. on at Mars? Like, no, we'll just we'll have to reach out to Matt Damon see if he'll come on and. Hey, he, if he's next on the podcast, uh, you can thank me later. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Connor Onion, thank you very much for ta- taking the time to stop in Section 312. We wish you the best on the upcoming school year. I actually just graduated, so I'm no longer down in Carbondale, but I'm still rooting for the Salukis. So good luck next year, and we hope to have you back on the podcast sometime. Yeah, sounds good. Let me know. Happy to do it anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Good luck this season. And that interview with Connor Onion was brought to you by our great sponsor, Karaoke Adventure. Do you want the best entertainment around? How about Karaoke Adventure? Karaoke Adventure provides DJ and karaoke for any occasion, birthday parties, family gatherings, block parties, or a night of friends. Karaoke Adventure brings everything to you, PA mics, TV lighting, everything you need for a singing good time. They have over 30 years of experience. Contact Eric St. Michael's today, S. 773-732-6597. Go follow them on Facebook, see videos and more. Karaoke Adventure at Facebook.com. So the NFL season has started, not the regular, but the preseason. Nobody really cares about the preseason. Nobody really plays their starters. Julio Jones has already said that he's sitting out. He has no reason to play. There's no reason for veterans to play in these preseason games. It's more for these rookies that are just trying to fight for a roster spot. The Hall of Fame game was between the Broncos and the Falcons. Our good friend Joseph Jones was out there playing. The Broncos won the Hall of Fame game 14-10. to It wasn't a very exciting game. It brought back the fact that football is back. You can smell it. You could smell it better than Bella's farts. Yes, Bella the French Bulldog. They are bad. They're gassy. But football is in the air. And I can smell it. And you can smell it. And we can all smell it. Some other news around the NFL. Michael Thomas got his $100 million contract extension with the Saints. A.J. Green, who I mentioned as a fantasy sleeper, will likely miss the first couple of games with some injuries. Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott are holding out from their respective ball clubs. And Ezekiel Elliott has stated he will not play in 2019 if he does not get his contract. Now, I sat next to Ezekiel Elliott in an airport. I mention this all the time. Not a real big guy, you know, size-wise. He's a little stocky, but all NFL players are. His hands are pretty small. Seemed like a very good guy. You know, I know he's had a lot of off-the-field issues, but he is the league's leading rusher for the past four years. And I believe... You got to pay the guy. Now, I know typically running backs with analytics and everything like that, they say you're not supposed to pay these running backs. Zeke is different. Ezekiel Elliott is that offense. There is no cowboy offense if you don't have Zeke. Before Zeke, it was DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray, they didn't want to pay him, traded him, shipped him off. To get Zeke and they want to do the same thing? Doesn't make sense. You have the money to pay Dak, Zeke, and Amari. Get it done. But I want to shift things. We are a Chicago Sports Podcast. I want to shift it over to the Bears. The Bears have opened the training camp. They have their first preseason game this weekend, I believe. There have been reports. Mitchell Trubisky does not look good. That's what I've been hearing. He does not look good. Now, whether or not this carries into the regular season, we don't need him to be good. We don't need him to be great. We need him to get the ball out to his playmakers and let them be good. There was also a video of Matt Nagy throwing a monster bomb past. He looked like he could have been the starting quarterback for the Bears. The coach just needs to throw a jersey on and go out there and and start throwing footballs. Because that man's got cannon. The slogan for the Chicago Bears this year is chasing great. Chasing great. I would have said chasing greatness. So it sounds like a complete thought. Just chasing great. I don't know how I feel about it. It sounds like the kicker situation is coming to a slow resolve. David Montgomery looks like an animal. 
He's got the strength of Marshawn Lynch. He's got the versatility of Chris Johnson. David Montgomery could be a real sleeper for people who play fantasy football. David Montgomery could get a majority of these snaps come week four or week five. I'm excited to see it. Football's back. I do project, though, that the Bears will win 10 games this year. Now that Melvin Gordon probably will not be playing with the Chargers. Other than that, it's going to be a dogfight all year. The Packers are good. The Lions are good. The Vikings are good. The Bears are good. It's going to be a dogfight. But nobody wants to come to Chicago in January, in December, in bare weather. I think the Bears are going to win a majority of their games in December and January. To end out the show, we have a couple small little stories not surrounding Chicago sports. And now, a word from our sponsors. Bricks and Ivy Sports is a non-stop memorabilia shop for all your sports needs. Go check them out, bricksandivysports.com. On September 7th, they have the one, the only, Kerry Wood. 20 strikeouts, one game. Go get tickets. Go shake hands. Go meet. Go get an autograph. Kerry Wood, guys. It's Kerry Wood. You know how hard it would be to get an autograph from Kerry Wood if you don't already have it? Not that hard. Go buy a ticket. Bricks and Ivy Sports. Bricks and Ivy Sports. They have collector stuff. They got sports stuff. And they even trade with all their customers. So if you got an autograph that you don't like, that you got for a birthday gift, if you got an Anthony Bennett rookie card signed, and you don't want that, take it to Bricks and Ivy Sports. They'll trade with you. So to end out the show, we have a couple small little stories. Joe Johnson, playing in the big three, hit two game-winning four-point shots. This guy is still balling. He's playing for Ice Cube's big three, and he's balling like he's never balled before, hitting two big game-winning shots from the four-point mark. I like the idea of the four-point mark. I wish the NBA had a four-point mark. Everybody shoots from back there anyway. (laughs) So why not reward them, right? Make a four-point mark. Just put a little hash mark. Make it stand out like a neon green color on every court. If you're if you're on it and you shoot it, four points. Why not? Well, I mean, Steph Curry would just camp out in that spot. Set up a little tent and a campfire. He's not moving from that spot. I kind of like the absence of the four-point mark. It gets people to move around. Give, give me some action over here. I also want to point out, Max Kellerman is a complete idiot. His takes are so off the charts. Okay, let me rephrase that. He's not an idiot. He's a very smart guy. But some of the things he says just makes me think that he says them just for ratings. So people can talk about him just acting foolish. He went on first take today and said, Kobe Bryant should be on the all-NBA worst team. Yeah, that was everybody's reaction. He said Kobe Bryant would be on the all-NBA worst team. I don't understand. (laughs) I want what he's on. (laughs) Because that is the most wild take I have heard in my life. The worst team. Kobe Bryant. The Black Mamba. Five rings, and he deserves to be on the All-NBA Worst Team? No, I do not think so. The last story I have, a former Ohio basketball player, DJ Cooper, failed a drug test, and he failed the drug test because he used, I guess, a girl's urine, and it came back positive for pregnancy. <laughs> That's the worst way to get caught. right? There. So when he submitted the drug test, they told him, you're, Dude, pre- you're pregnant. You're pregnant. 
I thought that was so hilarious. So funny. Everybody knows that if you're going to swap out P, do it with somebody your same gender, man. So nothing like that can happen. It is the BGOTW, the ball guy of the week. And I want to give my ball guy of the week this week to the one, the only, Mill Dog, Andrew Miller. Put in tons of work into the show in order to make it what it is today. The show is taking a turn. We're trying some new stuff out. It's going to be a process. You go bear with us. We still got guests lined up. Next week we have Jeff Garcia, NBA and Spurs beat writer for Fox 29 San Antonio. He joins the show. We got some other stuff lined up with some athletes. You guys will really enjoy it. Andrew Miller, ball guy of the week. Ball guy of the year so far. Ball guy of the week. BGOTW. And it is Matt's mind moment. The last one before we change gears to just Matt's moment next week. It is Matt's mind moment. Matt, share the knowledge. For today's Matt's moment, Matt's mind moment, we have we have this day in sports history. I don't have anything for Chicago this time. But something interesting happened in 1929. In 1929, the New York Yankees slugger Babe Ruth, whoever that guy is, (laughs) ties MLB record by hitting grand slams in consecutive games for the second time in uh, the 13-1 win versus the Philadelphia Athletics. That's all I got. Dude, for the past couple days, I had some Chicago ones. Here, let's go to August 6th. You guys are getting the bonus content right here. Didn't even have to put in that bonus DVD to get it. In 1890, future Hall of Famer Cy Young throws a uh, throws a three hitter uh, in his MLB debut for the Cleveland Spiders in the 8-1 win versus the Chicago Colts, later known as the Cubs. All right, that wraps up this week's show. Go check us out, section312.com, where you can find our merchandise in the store. You can also find us on the Midwest Sports Network. Go check them out, mwsn.net. If you haven't, go subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, section 312, where you guys can continue to listen to all of our episodes and all of our recently released episodes prior all the way up to this point. Next week, we do have Jeff Garcia. We had a great talk with him. He got chewed out by Greg Popovich. It was awesome. It was hilarious. We will see you guys next week. Stay in your seats. Section three, one, two.